every day when I wake up in the morning I see the sky I think about the things that you've made All the beauty and your glory is showing yeah. It never bores me to look at the ocean The waves are crashing The water spraying up in my face To look above and all the seagulls are soaring yeah. Got to overcome the darkness So we don't get caught in the middle Between the hopeful and the heartless So Hello, good day, good morning I just can't stop smiling Because today is a brand new day And all the darkness and the pain Is just fading behind me Oh Lord, what a beautiful day All the planets surround me The way they orbit just boggles my mind The way the sun keeps on shining, yeah We've got to overcome the darkness So we don't get caught in the middle Between the hopeful and the heartless So, hello, good day, good morning I just can't stop smiling Cause today is a brand new day And all the darkness and the pain is just fading behind me Oh Lord, what a beautiful day There's nothing to fear, it'll be okay It's the day that the Lord has made day that the Lord has made. There's nothing to fear, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It's the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has it's made. The day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. So, hello, good day, good morning. I just can't stop smiling. Cause today is a brand new day. And all the darkness and the pain is just fading behind me. Oh Lord, what a beautiful day Good day ladies and gentlemen Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together. Glad to have you with us on this Thursday. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Asher, and the rest of you that are with us. So uh, we are finished with our exposition of the book of Isaiah. Think about that. I can't remember when we started. It's been months, right? <laughs> and uh, wasn't sure we were ever going to... Uh, uh, to finish it, but we did. And uh, today and tomorrow, we are going to work through some of the questions that have arisen, especially around the idea of the new heavens and new earth. That was a significant part of the last two chapters of Isaiah. So we're going to interact with that some. Before we do that, I want to uh, to alert you to uh, Monday. We're starting a new direction a little bit, and I'm not going to give you the details here today. Uh, I think you'll like it. Some of you won't like it. That's all right. Um, but I'm wondering, I put a little poll there on YouTube and I'm wondering if we switch, if we move it back a half hour to 8 a.m. Mountain time, that's my time, 
uh, how much of an impact that would have. Would that make it easier for anybody to uh, to join us live? Because I think then I think what we're going to start talking about on Monday will generate more conversation. So I'm wondering if we move it back a half hour, if that will enable more people to jump on and, and talk or uh, if it doesn't matter or if it's worse for everybody, that kind of thing. So even if you watch this later or listen via podcast, if you wouldn't mind putting a comment on Facebook or YouTube uh, about whether moving it back a half hour would be beneficial to you, I'd love to know that. So anyway, that's Monday. Uh, LMAX says, good morning. My first time watching live. My husband and I have been appreciating your ministry so much and how careful you try to be with scripture. Well, thank you. Thanks for that. And I, uh, I saw one of your comments here that we'll, we'll look at. Um, so anyway, I think you'll be... Uh, I think most of you will be encouraged with uh, kind of what we're going to do starting on Monday. Let me know if uh, if moving it back is a significant issue. I may still do it anyway, but I'd love to know. <laughs> love to know who I'm frustrating if we do that. All right. So uh, first of all, I want to pull up uh, YouTube the comments section here. Because uh, Sherry, I don't know if you're on with us this morning, Sherry Payton, but you said my comment with question is gone too. Oh, well, maybe it was the wrong thing to say. Uh, I don't know what happened. Sorry, I didn't see a comment from you with a question. The only thing I saw from you was you commented back here a couple days ago uh, talking about the... were we talking about new heavens, new earth there maybe? And you said it's here now. Our beliefs have been wrong somehow. And if almost a preterist type thing going on, you've been struggling with a preterist thing for some time. I don't see a question there. <clears throat> so if you commented elsewhere and it's gone now, I, I apologize. Uh, like I said, I I didn't delete it. And then Lon, you said uh, here that you made a long comment in yesterday's talk, but it disappeared. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Something in my throat. But... Here on this one, if this is what you're talking about, it's still here showing up on my screen. So I'm not sure uh, what you all are seeing that some of these are deleted on your end or what's going on there. So I apologize if you, if anybody knows what's happening, I would love to know. So uh, I want to interact with something here that uh, Richard Tiberzi said. I apologize if I'm butchering your name here. He made a couple of comments that I think are are interesting. Uh, this was on on yesterday's live stream or afterward, it uh, looks like. He says, it all adds up to the end of all things of the old covenant. Malachi 4, the day comes that shall burn like an oven. Matthew 3.12, burn up the chaff, combined with 2 Thessalonians 1, judgment with fire that opposes the gospel of the new covenant, days of vengeance spoken of in Matthew 24, Luke 21, then he follows up here, there is no end of time in scripture, it is the time of the end, end of the old covenant age, Peter said the end of all things is at hand, 1 Peter 4. Uh, and that ties in a little bit, I think, with, uh, with Sherry's comment about the preterist thing. Now, some of you may not know what preterist thing is. I'd be curious in the in the chat here how many of you uh, don't know what preterism is. If you just say don't know, uh, that'll let me know kind of how many of you are unfamiliar with that term. Uh, basically, the uh, um, how do I do this and not make this into an entire. <laughs> 
three hour long eschatology study. Um, so the question is the fulfillment of some of the, uh, the New Testament prophecies. Uh, the book of Revelation, for instance, Matthew 24, Luke 21, the Olivet Discourse, some of those things. You know, are we looking, are we, is Jesus and the apostles and the book of Revelation, are they talking about things that are future for us? Or are they talking about things that occurred in our past? For instance, if you've been following along with our studies for a while, you know that uh, I believe that Matthew 24 and the parallel passages, Luke 21 uh, and uh, Mark 13, uh, I believe they are talking about the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. So regarding those statements, Jesus is predicting the future for him in Matthew 24. Uh, he says, you know, the temple is going to be destroyed, not one stone left upon another, that kind of thing. Uh, he's using future tense, it will be, and the disciples ask him, you know, questions about that. So that's future for them. I'm convinced for us that is past, because I think he's talking about 70 AD, and that's past for us, right? Uh, nearing 2,000 years past for us. Um, so I would be a preterist at least regarding the Olivet Discourse. So uh, the label has been put on someone like me as a partial preterist because I don't see uh, all of the prophecies in the New Testament fulfilled in 70 AD, but many of them, and more all the time, frankly. And the study of Isaiah has maybe even moved me a little more uh, to the, the preterist position. Uh, those who see most, uh, <laughs> Dale says preterish, <laughs> yes, partial preterish, preterish, yes. Um, those who see most of the uh, prophecies of the New Testament, including Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation and others, as still in our future, they might be called futurists, uh, that kind of thing. Well, there are those who believe that all of the prophecies in the New Testament, or at least the vast majority of them, were fulfilled in 70 AD, that the uh, predictions of the end and the coming of the kingdom, that those were all talking about 70 AD. And there are even those who believe that the second coming, as we call it, the return of Christ, the bodily return of Christ, all of those things uh, were all talking about 70 AD. They would be generally referred to as full preterists. That, uh, and I want to be fair, I don't want to mischaracterize, so if anybody watching is a quote-unquote full preterist, if I'm misrepresenting you, please correct me because I, I don't want to do that. Um, but as I understand it, the full preterist position would say that uh, the earth continues forever, there is no end for the physical earth, and that the return of Christ has already happened and that our understanding of what that meant is uh, is flawed and so we are not waiting as a as a as a cosmos as an earth as christians interpreting the scripture we're not waiting for the return of christ and the fulfillment of anything um like that so i th i would assume that is the kind of thinking here that uh, Richard Tiberzi 
uh, again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, that he is, he's talking about. Um, I went down that path pretty in-depthly uh, many years ago, read everything I could get my hands on, guys like James Russell and, uh, and Milton Terry and, and all the rest, um, and tried to give it as fair a view as I could. Uh, my MO, for as long as I can remember, I learned this from my father, my MO is uh, to read opposing views to what I currently hold and go all in because I don't know everything and I need to admit my ignorance and I need to read the other side. I want to, if I'm going to disagree with you, I want to know your side better than you do. So I know what I'm disagreeing with, not simply so I can fight and argue, but maybe you're right. And maybe I need to be corrected. So if I really dive into opposing arguments and understand it so that I can teach it and present it, then I know what I'm disagreeing with. I know where I see flaws in the uh, in the argument and that either buttresses mine or changes my mind. Uh, so I went down that whole, uh, I shouldn't put it that way, I went down that path with the full preterism many years ago. And uh, and Sherry, again, I don't know if you're on with us this morning, but I, I'm assuming that's what you mean that you've been wrestling with. I will tell you the passage that I have yet to be able to explain in any way in a full preterist position is 1 Corinthians 15. So Richard, if you follow along, if you watch this later and you uh, have good, succinct arguments for how 1 Corinthians 15 fits with, uh, with that view, then I'm all ears. I want to be open to what the scripture says, but uh, I can't, I have not found anything that's helpful and persuasive, I should say, about 1 Corinthians 15. So that would be my, uh, my response to you as well, Sherry. Um, do a deep dive into 1 Corinthians 15 from a preterist position and see how that can be talking about um, something other than a climactic uh, change. And I'll just leave it there for now. So anyway, I wanted, you, uh, wanted to let you know that I didn't delete your comments. I don't know what happened to them. Uh, and same thing with Lon. Here it is. Uh, Lon here brings up the, uh, the millennium. I think I'm going to save that for tomorrow because what I want to do with the rest of our time here now is look at a few passages uh, that deal with the uh, new heavens and new earth or heaven and earth kind of idea. I saw a comment just as we were signing off yesterday that I thought was interesting uh, from, is it Jim Vision? Are you with us today? Uh, Matthew 5, Jesus makes this comment. He says, do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. That raises all kinds of questions. We deal with that in the uh, in another series already. But then he says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. And the, uh, the comment that was tossed in that I just noticed as we were signing off is, uh, is he... Uh, Jimmy Vision. <laughs> All right. Welcome, Jimmy Vision. Um, if I think I mentioned that, uh, and someone else in the comments, uh, in, the, in one of the, uh, one of you here, was it uh, F.E. looks like, 
and LMAC. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you said something like this too here. Uh, would it be wrong to consider the possibility that God in declaring a new heaven and new earth was referring to the new covenant with Jesus ruling and reigning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Um, so the question is, is, could that be what the new heavens and new earth is? Raises a lot of questions. I don't know if we're going to get uh, get all of all this figured out here, but if there is some tie-in to the new heavens and new earth in any sense being the new covenant, then that does add some interesting dynamic to this statement, doesn't it? Uh, if Jesus is coming to fulfill the law and the prophets, which kind of be the old covenant, right? Uh, that he's saying it's not going to pass, the law is not going to pass until heaven and earth pass away. And we tend to think of that as the current heaven and earth, the cosmos, uh, and that he's making this broad statement that uh, the law is going to remain intact until the end or until all is accomplished here. Of course, our covenant reform brothers take this and say, see, the Ten Commandments are uh, going to last forever, <laughs> which raises the question, how in the world do you get Ten Commandments out of this? But I know how they get there, and I think they're mistaken. But anyway, we'll save that for another time. We already addressed that in another series too. Um, so anyway, I... Uh, Fe and LMAC, if this is kind of what you're going for, that's that's an interesting observation, and it's, it's worth consideration, I think. So uh, Sherry says, thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for, a scripture reference to counter to the full preterist view and see if it holds up. Yeah, so take a look at that, and uh, you know maybe we'll spend some time down the road on that. The, uh, the newer pro... Uh, I shouldn't... We'll just save that for Monday. Sorry. Stick to the plan, Doug. Stick to the plan. Um, another passage that's worth looking at here is Second uh, Peter three. This is another passage where heaven and earth passing away is mentioned. Uh, Peter is wrapping up his uh, second letter here, and he says, "This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets." And the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. So Peter's saying, folks, you need to remember what Jesus said and the uh, the ones he sent, that would be the apostles, and the holy prophets. Is that uh, the Old Testament prophets or the New Testament prophet, prophets? Interesting question. Uh, he's trying to remind them. He says, know this, first of all, that in the last days, which already... We have such disagreement on what the last days means. This is what's hard about prophecy. Uh, there are other passages in the New Testament that say that uh, the apostles were living in the last days. And that provokes the question, last days of what? Now, some of you probably automatically say last days of of the world's existence. That's what some of you have been taught, and you don't even question that. Maybe, in which case, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. And Peter's going to go on and say here in a minute, a day with the Lord is like a 1,000 years, and 1,000 years like a day. So it's only been 
two days. <laughs> We've been in the last days for two days, according to the way God counts. Fair enough. Uh, but is there another possibility? Yes. The other possibility is the last days of the old covenant era. Which, as you tied into everything we saw in Isaiah and the words of Jesus predicting what I believe is the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, uh, and his kingdom coming into existence, which uh, at least one argument that makes a lot of sense to me is that interim period, we have uh, overlap between the old covenant era and the new covenant era for those 40 years as the church is being established. And then 70 AD, the old covenant era is, is fully and finally uh, destroyed, it's done. That it could be the last days refer to those 40 years between uh, Christ and uh, the uh, fall of Jerusalem. Interesting. So I just want to say to you, and one of the things I like to do, one of the things I really see as my mission, and this does play into kind of where we're going to go next week. We as Christians, we have to be, um, we have to stick to the text. We need to challenge assumptions all the time. Not be wishy-washy. We have to hold convictions. We need to hold the truth. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, we can't ever know anything. We can. But we also always have to be relearning, studying, and, and seeing where we're mistaken. The Apostle Paul was so wrong about his understanding of the Scripture that he persecuted Christians. And he had to relearn everything. That gives me pause at least to say, maybe I don't know everything yet. So, in the last days, the last days of what? It's a question worthy of asking. Mocking will come. They'll follow their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Again, you may automatically assume he's talking about people at the end, saying, where's Jesus coming back? And that we're still waiting for that. The last days might be our days. Maybe. Coming for what? Right, that's a question we have to ask, too. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, that would be the patriarchs, right? All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. The earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. So Noah, Noah's time, right? But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Sounds very much like the kind of thing we were reading in Isaiah. Now, for my full preterist friends, the heavens and earth that he's describing here, is it not something close to what we call the cosmos? Well, the response is, no, it's not the cosmos, it's the humans. Because it's the humans that were destroyed, right? Through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. That's an interesting statement because when the flood came, it didn't actually destroy the earth, did it? It wiped out all the humans, except for Noah and his family that were in the ark. But it didn't destroy the earth as though the world the earth ceased to exist. Interesting, huh? The heavens existed long ago. 
The earth was formed out of water and by water. That seems to be the cosmos. Through which the world, cosmos, this is literally the Greek word cosmos here, at that time was destroyed, being flooded by wa- uh, with water. But by his words, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. So now the question comes, the present heavens and earth, is he talking about the cosmos or the world of men? Lon says, I'm occasionally breaking up on his end. Interesting. Uh, is anybody else experiencing that? Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. So he's talking to his first century audience and saying that the Lord is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And of course, this is where systematic theology comes in and just rips this out of context, uh, where we argue about limited atonements and all that, that's not the point. He's talking about people in his day and saying the Lord is slow or not slow about keeping his promise, but he is slow in bringing this destruction because he wants you to repent. And if you know Second Peter, uh, he's been warning about false teachers in the first century, and many of the Christians were led astray by these false teachers. He's saying you need to repent and come back to the truth because you've been persuaded and it may be that you're heading down a a bad path. This is not intended to be fodder for limited atonement discussions and that kind of thing. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Sounds just like his Lord, doesn't it? The Lord Jesus used that. Paul uses it. That same analogy of the, the thief. Well, what is the day of the Lord? If you automatically assume this is something at the end of time, then you need to be sure you can prove that from scripture. And if you're saying it's some other day, then you got to prove that too. Uh, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. That's an interesting statement. Uh, this word earth is not the word cosmos that he used earlier. This is gay, which is used in the old, in Isaiah, remember I kept making a big deal on the word land and earth, Eretz, the Hebrew word Eretz. And it's always, it's so often translated earth and makes us think globally. Uh, but I pushed back on that a little bit and said many times it's very obviously the land of Jerusalem. Well, the Greek translation of that word is this word, gay. So the land, you could translate this, and the land and its works will be burned up. Could that be parallel to the men who are destroyed back here by water? The world, now this is a different world, this is a cosmos. Um, but it, again, the earth didn't stop in the flood. So these are hard questions. Since these things are to be destroyed this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? I know that sounds like cosmos, and it may be. I'm undecided on this. I go back and forth. 
Some of you are going to be shocked at that. Some of you think, how could this not be the cosmos? Ah, because of some of the things we saw in Isaiah. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Which, of course, provokes the question, uh, if we are in the new heavens and new earth in any sense, is righteousness dwelling? Right? You look at the world today and say, not a chance. This is the new heavens and new earth in any sense. Righteousness doesn't dwell here. We are a wicked, corrupt people getting worse all the time. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to be faithful to the text and let the text say what it says, regardless of what I wish or want or think. And I'm just telling you, there are some challenges with every view of all these things. So I did not help you at all. <laughs> Josh says, coming in late, but what about partial preterism? Would destroying everything mean Satan wins on some level? Rather, he will restore all things, undoing what Satan did. Um, maybe, uh, I just don't like that kind of argument. What does the text say, right? We, 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 we can't argue from what the implications might be to somebody. We have to like, what, what does the text say? And then go from there. Uh, Jay says from Adam was 14 generations. So we say we are at the end of time or generations. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's interesting. Sari says, regarding time change, I listen later more often than I live, so it's fine with me. All right. Thank you for that. I did uh, I did want to know that. All right. Well, our time is up for today. Um, we'll come back and look at some more of this tomorrow. Maybe talk about the millennium a little bit for Lon. Uh, I know I've raised a lot of questions. You may be aghast that I even entertain some of these, but I'm just telling you, my MO is let's let the text say what it says, and uh, let's let's not hold fast to our sacred cows. Um, we need to be people of the word, right? So have a great day. Come back tomorrow. Let's talk and, uh, and see if the Lord leads us into, um, to more truth. I'm sure he will. We'll keep asking. Take care.